Can you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3, please? I'm going to be talking about hearing and responding to God. And we've already heard this morning God speaking to us quite clearly. This will be a very familiar passage to quite a lot of people. But for those um, who aren't familiar with it or who haven't read it for some time, I'll just do a very quick um, scene setting. Um, So the background to the story we're going to be reading, the story we're going to be reading in a minute, concerns two characters. We've got Samuel, um, the prophet, not a prophet at this point. Ah, Well, that might be a moot point, actually. (laughs) I'll get into that. Much-desired son of Hannah. Um, We've heard a lot about miracle babies, haven't we, amongst us? And um, Hannah desperately wanted a child, and Samuel was her miracle baby, um, who she dedicated or set apart to God as a Nazarite. Um, A Nazarite, we we think of John the Baptist, Samson, and we think of them not drinking, not cutting their hair. And he was set apart to be a Nazarite for life, which apparently was quite unusual. It was usually for a a much shorter period of time. But he was a Nazarite for life. Um, In the story we're going to read, he was a young man. I've I've read anywhere between about 7 to 12 years old, so he's he's a boy really. But serving God in the tabernacle. And the other character is Eli, the priest at the tabernacle. In contrast to Samuel, he's very old. um, And he has sons who are also priests, but who have absolutely no respect for God. They abuse their positions, and they are destined not to have long and happy lives. So let's just read this passage. So it's 1 Samuel chapter 3. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli, here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Elijah replied, go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him, 
But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. So the first thing I want to say is we have a God who speaks. We all know we have a God who speaks. And we have a God who speaks in various ways, from a roar to a whisper and everything in between. Psalm 18 verse 13 says, The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded amid the hail and burning coals. And then my my imagination takes me, I think every time I speak I seem seem to go back to Genesis, but it takes me back to um, God shaping and ordering the world in Genesis. And I imagine, and I know this is not true, but I imagine God as a, with a man with flowing hair, um, great long beard, um, and he is shouting out, let there be light, let there be, in a, in a, I'm not shouting, but he's shouting in a very loud voice to bring everything into creation. But when I look in Genesis, it doesn't actually say God shouted the world into creation. It says, then God said, let there be light. And God said, and God said, and God said. Which actually, I don't know if any of you had English teachers who said to you, don't just say this person said, this person said. Let's inject a bit of excitement into it, not said. But actually, there is power in the said. There's great power in creative words and creativity as God speaks. Um, There's also great power in negative words. So I think we have to be very careful with those as well. But God doesn't need to shout to reveal his power and creativity. I'm absolutely convinced that God is not a shouty man or a drama queen. He doesn't need to do those things. It's not always those who shout the loudest who are the most powerful and the wisest. And sometimes, as we see in Kings um, chapter 19, it is the still small voice that power and wisdom reside in. And God spoke to Elijah, if you remember, and when Elijah came face to face with God... He found he wasn't in the great wind that split the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces or the earthquake or the fire. But he was in the still, small voice. Or as it, another version says, a sound of sheer silence or the sound of a gentle whisper. So when God spoke to Samuel, did he shout? Did he shout at Samuel? Um, I've got this awful picture, actually, and forgive me if you do not know what I'm talking about, but I've got this awful picture of somebody in bed being woken at one o'clock in the morning for sport relief by Michael McIntyre. If you don't know what I'm talking about, forgive me. But Andy Murray being shouted at at one o'clock in the morning. So did God go in and shout at Samuel? Well, he says he called, he called, he suddenly called out. So it was obviously loud enough for Samuel to hear him, but he didn't understand where that, whose voice it was. It was loud enough for him to hear him, and it must have sounded as though it was outside the room, because instantly he thought it was Eli calling him. And I think the important thing is God called out his name. He called him Samuel. God made it clear who he was talking to, and God knew Samuel by name. And he calls each one of us and knows each one of us in this room by name. 
he doesn't work on a sort of oi you basis. It's very much that God is deliberate. He knows who he's talking to and he calls us by what gives us our humanity. Because our names give us our humanity, our value and it marks our relationship as well. When our names are known, we have relationship. And I always, we're coming up to Easter now. And in John 20, I just love John 20, where, where after Jesus has risen and Mary Magdalene is in the garden and Jesus appears to her and she doesn't recognize him and she thinks he's the gardener. And it's at the point where he just turns. I always find it so moving that he just turns and says her name, Mary. And as he says her name, as he speaks her name, that's where she recognizes Jesus. It's that intimacy, that intimate relationship. So God knew Samuel by name. But it says in verse 7 that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, which is interesting. I think Trevor's been touching on this, how God calls us and draws us before we know him. And actually, surprisingly enough, he even uses people who don't know him. So if you look in Isaiah 45, 4 at some point, not this second necessarily, um, it's talking about Cyrus, who wasn't Jewish. He didn't know God. He was a Persian king. But it actually says God called him by name, even when he didn't know God. So God uses people even when they don't know him. And I just would reiterate what Trevor was saying a couple of weeks ago. Let's not be quick to decide who is in and who is out. Who is called and who isn't called. We can't always judge what God is doing in someone's lives. They might not even know themselves because they just, they're working things out. They haven't yet really understood the, the, the voice of God in their lives. I just I was thinking back actually over sort of time when I was really seeking God and just beginning to to before I became a Christian. And sometimes that is over quite a period of time, but actually often I was saying to somebody I think it was about a year or a couple of years, but when you look back in your lives, there are times when you were aware that God was calling you even before that point when you were conscious of that. And I was just saying to someone I remember as a small a, being about seven or eight years old, because we used to go off to Sunday school on a Sunday afternoon. My, I think my parents used to just send us out of the door and off we went. And I can remember just walking up the road and seeing, and it was the afternoon, but the moon had come up and it was in the sky. I don't know if it comes up, it's always in the sky, I suppose. Um, and I can remember just looking up at the moon and thinking, wouldn't it be amazing, because this shows how old I am, if, any, if people were to actually stand on the moon and I think that bit of amazement was a spiritual amazement, was a sort of God moment. I mean, I wouldn't have been aware of that, but God is, is working on you. And there, there were points in your life where you could think God was drawing me and calling me, even though I didn't know his name. So we can be very quick to judge others on where they're at with God. But what about the time when God was speaking to us before we really knew his voice and he was calling us? And sometimes it takes someone else to identify that voice in us, like Eli had to, to tell Samuel, listen, it's, it's God. And sometimes we need to just draw alongside people to say, yeah, listen, I'll, I'll come alongside you and help you realize that it is God speaking to you. And another thing I think important from here is that God kept calling Samuel. 
until he responded. He had something he wanted Samuel to hear, so he didn't give up. And he does that with us, doesn't he, often? He has something for us to hear, and he doesn't give up, up on us. And that was something else I was saying to somebody, that I can remember I came to a point where, in quite a dis- decisive place, I can visualize the place, when I said to God, after all my thinking and all the rest of it, I knew I'd come to the point where God said, right, now is the point of decision. And my feeling at that moment was, I either have to believe there's a God and, and accept him, or say, right, there is no God, and that would be that. And I think it was right, that was my point of decision. But the person I was saying it to said, yeah, but that wouldn't have been it, would it? God wouldn't have given up on you. He wouldn't have. He would have kept at you. He would have kept at you. And I'd never thought about that before. I think it's good to come to a point of decision. But does God give up on us? And the second point is, it's not enough just to have ears. Okay? We've all got ears, but it's not enough just to have ears. I was a teacher at one time, and I I taught religious studies to secondary school students. And I don't know if teachers here can understand, appreciate how you sometimes stand in front of, I think in my day it was probably about 30 students, 30, 15-year-olds looking up at you, and you explain clearly and concisely. You know what you want them to do. You explain it all to them in absolute detail, Then you say, right, off you go, do it. And then somebody always comes up and says, what are we supposed to be doing? And you say, have you not been listening to a word that I have been saying? (laughs) So once he knew God was speaking, you probably think that with your children sometimes, don't you? Have you been listening to a word I have been saying? So once he knew God was speaking, Samuel listened. And in verse 10 it says, Samuel said, speak. Your servant is listening. In James 1, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And interestingly enough, at the end of that, it says, slow to become angry, which is quite interesting, actually. I was going to knock that bit off because it's be quick to listen, be slow to speak. And sometimes I think that anger comes out of the fact that we are not quick to listen, but we're very quick to speak, actually. And Isaiah 55, 3 says, come to me with your ears wide open, listen, and you will find life. So we need to use our ears to really listen. We know that God speaks in different ways. So through his written word, through circumstances, the created world, prophecy, other people, often the hard things, God uses other people actually to tell us. Um, When we pray, even an audible voice, and I know I've never heard God speak in an audible voice, but I know there are people here who have, but he just needs to get our attention. But the important thing is to allow ourselves to really hear what God's saying. And I think it's important also that God speaks to us as individuals. But he just reminded me um, the other day about the lost sheep story. You know, when he has the um, big flock of sheep, And one has got lost. So God leaves the the big flock of sheep and he goes off and he finds the lost sheep. But it, it doesn't go any further than that. He usually says he finds the sheep that was lost. But I don't think that he just embraces the sheep, says, right, oh, that's great. You can stay out here now and we're going to have a lovely intimate relationship with just the two of us. 
I think what he does is he brings the lost sheep and he returns it to the flock. And he says, it's not all about just you and me having a nice relationship. There's something about being in the community, being in the flock, where God can speak to us in a particular way that he doesn't speak to us as individuals. So I think it's important that we we belong to community and that we're listening to him. I mean, things that have happened here this morning where God's really speaking, um, I think it's important that we realize that there's something special about when we get together and in the speaking in the community. So Revelation says anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. And Jesus said in the parable of the sower, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So it's more than just having these things on the side of our head. It's really listening and tuning into what God has to say to us. Um, A bit of an example from home, really. John has, I know I must not use this to air any marital (laughs) issues. So I make no comment beyond this. God's just reminded me that this is not what you're up here to do. But my husband has a habit at probably about six o'clock in the morning, if not up past five in the morning, of turning the radio on, which is great. It's the news, you know, it's Radio 4. I don't think that's a sin in itself. (laughs) But he turns the radio on. And because I'm over the other side of the bed, I can't hear what's going on. So to me, it's just like a mumble, mumble, mumble. And what's particularly is annoying is he puts it on and then goes to sleep. <laughs> so I can't hear it. So I can hear this mumble, 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 but I can't actually hear or understand what it is. And I just think sometimes that's an illustration. The only way that I can really hear it is by going over nearer to where it is and putting my ear much closer to the radio. <laughs> So, I think, look, I'm trying to be spiritual here. So I think the, the, what I'm saying that for is just to say that, that is how it is with God often, isn't it? That in order to, to underst- really understand what he's saying, we have to move closer. We just have to move closer to what God's saying. We need to shut out some of the noise that surrounds us during the day. Now, some of that noise is of our own making. I am very prone to putting the radio on during the day. And the things we just do very automatically, get in the car, turn the radio on, just, we just make noise for ourselves. And some noise is imposed on us as well that we, we can't shut out always. And I think often it's just shutting out our own voices. I think one of the, the things that God most often has to say to me is just shut up. You know, just stop it going around here. Just keep quiet. Because even when we come to be quiet, you know how sometimes we have, I love those times when at the beginning of a meeting we sit and we're just quiet and we just calm ourselves and we take stock. But so often, even then, there's stuff in here, isn't there? It just whizzes around so much and we need to shut that out, still our own thoughts and let God speak to us. And also sometimes even doing spiritual things, what we think are spiritual things, can shut God out. Um, I've been doing, I started off reading these, I've been doing reading through the Bible in a year. And I've also been doing some Lent readings. And the Bible through a year that John and I have been doing has got a fair whack of scripture. So it takes quite a long time, which is great. But it's very easy to go through all these passages you've got to read. 
do the Lent readings, give it a big tick and say, I've done that. And then I just thought, but am I really hearing God? Now, I know God speaks through scripture, but sometimes it can be a race through, big tick, done that, and not allowed God to speak through that. And so sometimes I think it's how you organize it. It might be better sometimes just to to do much shorter things. I think sometimes meditating on a couple of verses, um, you can really hear God speak. If you sometimes take a verse of scripture, there's an absolute wealth of what God will speak to you. So I think make space, sit quietly, use a time. I just realized I, I like going out walking. And if you're walking by yourself, sometimes I thought one day, well, why am I not praying as well as I'm walking? Which sounds... You know, perfectly, it's a perfectly easy thing to do. So just the time when you can be quiet. But some people might be saying, well, it's never quiet in my house. I've got all the children. There's always things are happening. It's very noisy. But also God is a God. It talks about God here breaking into Samuel suddenly. So God is a God of the suddenly. So he can speak to us when we're least expecting it. And he can speak to us even when it's noisy. And he can speak through the noise. So don't sort of think, oh, well, God will never speak to me because I can't be silent. God is a God of the suddenly as well. And he breaks in to speak when he needs to speak. And we just need to be tuned in to be ready to hear. Just another very quick thing. What if I'm not sure if it's God's voice? Um, It can take time to really get to know God's voice. But I believe if what we hear is in line with what we know of God from Scripture... Because young people at school often used to say to me, Miss, but if God told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? Actually, they used to say worse. They'd say, if God told you to put a head in a gas oven, would you do it? But I don't think, anyway, I won't go down that. But no, because of what I know of God from scripture and of his nature, which is the nature of love and his relationship with me. I think if we know that, we should be safe in believing that what we're hearing is God. Um, sometimes it doesn't really matter. I don't know how um, Marcus went around doing this, you know, deciding to rearrange the chairs. But I, I mean, I'll just speak for you. He might have got up and, and thought, well, I've, God has told me. God has told me we need to do something different and I'm going to rearrange the chairs. Or he might have thought, got up and thought, do you know, I think it would be quite a good idea to rearrange the chairs. But in a sense, does that matter? However that came, because Marcus hears God anyway, so it could be God has told me to rearrange the chairs because he wants to do something different, or Marcus's heart is to rearrange the chairs, to bring in the new and the different. So sometimes it doesn't matter. I think on very big decisions, often it does matter. We need people to come alongside us. We need to have things verified in more than one way. Um. Other times, we just have to go ahead with things, even if we're not absolutely sure. If you've got a, you've, you're not sure whether you're going to apply for a particular job and the closing date is the end of the week, sometimes you've got to go ahead and do it. And then God, God also, is, well, he's the God of the suddenly, but he can also do gradually, gradually as well and reveal things to you gradually. And he can open doors and shut doors. And then my last point is when God speaks, let's respond. When Samuel listened, God gave him a hard word. Although he was young, he didn't dilute the message because of Samuel's youth. He gave him a hard word. God always speaks with purpose. His words are creative, they're powerful, and they require a response. 
So Samuel responded. He was afraid, but he responded by telling Eli everything. And it cost him to do that because he was afraid to do that. But he, he did what, what he should have done. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. James 1.22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Then I feel a condemnation coming on. Because often I remember the times when God has spoken, but I haven't responded. It hasn't been convenient. Um, and that was Dan talking about an inconvenient gospel sometime. It doesn't fit in with my plans. So sometimes I've not responded to God. But let's remember God doesn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. And he didn't respond. I don't think he responded to the lost sheep with a stern lecture. He didn't box him around the ears and say, what on earth have you been doing all this time? Why have you been messing me about? Though it doesn't mean God doesn't challenge us or unsettle us, of course, at times. And often when we hear his voice, it's just, he's just asking us to come and spend time with him. Not giving us a list of things to do. He wants friendship and relationship with us. Um, Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us. This morning was intimate, wasn't it? God is, is wanting an intimate relationship with us. And I think the lovely thing about that psalm is it says, he hears my voice. He listens to me. He listens to all of us corporately. So let's honor him by listening to what he has to say. God, and I also love that. There's some lovely stuff here, isn't there, in, in, in scripture. Because he bends down to listen. That's just amazing. And that's not because he's high and lifted up, which he is. He bends down, I think, because he wants to come really close to me. And he wants to hear, he wants to hear my voice. So he bends down close to hear my voice. And he close, comes close to hear me when all I can manage is a whisper. When I'm feeling ill or I, I'm feeling unloved or I'm feeling weary, he bends close enough to hear my whisper. So let's respond to his call to spend time with him. And, and when I was doing this, one thing I felt strongly God says he wants to be when we come to him is a breaker down of walls as we meet with him. And, and, and what Ali said when she was talking about compassion, about how she built a wall around herself. And that absolutely resonated with me. We often build walls around ourselves when we've been hurt, when we feel unloved, when we feel unworthy. And we do that to protect ourselves. So we build a wall around and we say, this is my protection. You are never going to hurt me again. I'm not, not, I'm not going to forgive you. I'm in this wall and it's protecting me. But it not only stops us from finding our true selves, it also stops us seeing and responding to other people's hurts with compassion. So as I build the wall around me, I protect me. I stop you getting in, but I stop me getting out to respond to you and love you. And when we respond to God by spending time with him in intimate relationship, we can be vulnerable to his love, honest about the things we find difficult, and we need to allow him to help us dismantle any part of that wall that stops us showing compassion, that sh stops us, and feeling it actually, feeling all these things as well. But it, those things that s stop us showing compassion, love, forgiving others, and he wants to break down our apathy and our indifference. 
Time spent with God is time spent forming our characters. We draw down God's love and compassion and it allows me to be vulnerable with you, actually. If I've learned to be vulnerable with God and drawn down his love and compassion, I can be vulnerable with you. And then I can be responsive to what's going on out there, outside of this room, and respond to other people's hurts. Ezekiel 36 says he is able to give us tender, responsive hearts in place of stony, stubborn ones. God wants heart-to-heart relationship with us. He speaks, we listen. We speak, he listens. And we are changed in our attitude to him, to ourselves and others, so that we can respond with more love and more compassion. And I think this is, would be my prayer, and I trust this would be our prayer from Psalm 27, which says, My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Amen.